0: Listening to Best Served Cold, a Boar Millennials podcast. The Australian True Crime Podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime.
1: Formerly Egypt's 36th most popular true crime podcast, hosted by Tama Jay and Laura Lees.
0: Sit down, relax, grab a drink, and enjoy this week's episode. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. To oh we what
1: a time to be alive.
0: What a time, what a time. I think I'm only currently half alive, but, you know. Fair enough. We're getting there. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Best Serve Cold, the true crime podcast where we drink wine and we talk about crime. I'm one of your amazing co-hosts, Laura Elise, and I put the law in law abiding a citizen.
1: Amazing. And I'm your other co-host, Tama Tor. Tor rhymes with, oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. <laughs> what?
0: Oh dear. Okay, it's going to be one of those episodes. Yeah, anyway, is. welcome to the show. If you're new around here, we like to do a little disclaimer at the start of every episode, but we do let you know that we do tend to swear quite a bit in the show. So if the, the S's and the F's and the MF's and the C's and the D's. The,
1: D, the GD's.
0: The GD's. If those aren't your thing, then we would kindly request that you fuck off. Yeah. Or don't fuck off. Just don't leave us a one-star review on Apple. Yeah. Our I
1: clothes. mean, you're welcome to stay, and you're even if you don't stay. like it, just, just don't you know, say you weren't warned. Just, 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 just one way, one you weren't. Warned.
0: <laughs> you weren't. Warned.
1: I couldn't have put it better myself.
0: Don't say you weren't warned.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Stick around. Just you know, know that we do say so certain words, and this is a show about pretty grotesque shit. So. Mm. Uh. Yeah. You know. It, it is what, is it, is
0: what is. it is. It is what it is. <laughs> wow, so yeah,
1: it's we Yeah, because we're in love.
0: We're in love. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, anyway, if also if you're new around here, we are on all of the social media platforms. You can follow us at the BSC podcast. Uh, we love getting messages from people letting us know that they liked the episode. Uh, I have been a little lax on the socials as of late just because life gets in the way sometimes when you, you know, have a life yeah laura's also
1: doing jury duty right now yeah so that's so. really
0: kind of i've had to leave the house yeah which, which is Tom and i've both been working from home for like six months and it's been a really jarring experience to have to actually physically leave the house yeah. every day um so i'm just exhausted i get home and i am exhausted which Poops. i know that there's many people throughout the pandemic who've had to continually work I do not envy you at all. I don't yeah. know how I used to go into the office every day because I'm slowly mm-hmm. dying inside.
1: Also, another small disclaimer: um, one of our cats just went to the bathroom. So if you hear like claws on the floor that for in the in the vast distance, um, yeah, we that's it, our fucking cats. Yeah, we, we have three cats. Yeah. They tend to make noise. So it's what they do. I and mean, we run the show from home, so it's yeah. is uh. We, 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 and we try it's our best. not professional in any case. Yeah, we, we try so, our best, but our yeah. cats tend to fuck things up for us. It is what it is. Um, anyway,
0: those are all the housekeeping things it. I need to run through. I believe yeah. it is your turn to yeah, us Uno this week. Let's just jump
1: right into it. Um, so, this actually came from a lovely listener who suggested this case. Um, Kaya Kitty Gleason, thank you very much for suggesting this case. I'm talking about the disappearance of Kyron Horman. So, he was a. Uh, just a a child born in 2002 September 9 Uh, American boy who disappeared from Skyline Elementary School in Portland Oregon on June 4th 2010 so he was born uh, in September 9th, 2002 in Portland Oregon to Desiree Young and Kane Horman Kane was an engineer for Intel and while uh, while Desiree was pregnant with uh, Kyron, Chiron. Um, about eight months into the pregnancy, Desiree and Kane actually got divorced. Though moving forward, they were both very prevalent in their child's life. They had dual custody of Chiron right up until 2004 when Desiree, um, I believe, went into uh, hospital just for a diagnosed kidney failure, which required a lot of medical attention and she couldn't be at home a lot, so she needed um, to... Pass over the, the full custody to um, Kyron's father, Kane. Even still, Desiree was still present within his life growing up. Mm. So, Kane went on to marry Terry Moulton in 2007. Now, Terry was a substitute teacher originally from Roseburg, Oregon. The saucy little bit of information is that these two started seeing each other not so much dating maybe just knew about each other were sort of Mm -hmm. feeling the waters around 2001 right around the time that Kane and Desiree were in the middle of their divorce so a little bit saucy there soon after in December 2008 Terry gave birth to a daughter named Kiara around the same time Karen was enrolled in the Skyline Elementary School On the 4th of June, 2010, Kyron was dropped off at his his school by his stepmother, Terry. Terry stayed with Kyron while he was attending a science fair at the school. She then left around 8.45am, leaving Kyron walking down to his classroom. However, his math class, which he was meant to be going to, never saw Kyron attend. And in fact, marked him as absent for the day. According to Terry, she left the school around 8.45 a.m. and then went to two separate Fred Meyer grocery stores shopping until 10.10 a.m. Between then and 11.39 a.m., Terry said she was driving her daughter around town trying to alleviate her toothache using the motion of the vehicle. Which, you know, whatever works for you, I guess. Okay, interesting. Um, Yeah, she then went to a local gym and worked out until 12.40, you know, got to get your pumps in. At one twenty-one PM, she arrived home and posted photos she had taken of Chiron at the science fair onto Facebook. At three thirty PM, Terry and uh, Terry, along with Kane, walked their daughter to the bus stop that Kyron typically gets off at. Mm-hmm. Here, the bus driver, when the bus arrives, the bus driver tells them that Kane had not boarded the bus after school and that they should most likely contact the school to get his whereabouts. Um, to contact the staff there to get his whereabouts. Terry then did just that. And when the school secretary informed her that as far as all the staff were aware, Kyron had been marked absent from school that day. Mm. He didn't attend any of his classes. They immediately called the police. So a search party was made and conducted around a three kilometer radius around the elementary school, as well as uh, Sorvey Island, which is about 9.7 kilometers north of the elementary school now if that sounds random and, un- and weird it's because it is, and what's even weirder is the police gave no reason as to why they were doing that. Okay. So this is nearly ten kilometers north of where the school was, where he was last seen mm. in a what i what I can piece together from uh Google Maps is just a kind of foresty area um which they also searched in for some reason and they had gave no reason as to why. Uh, so that was very interesting. Uh, initially, the Horman family refused to speak with the media until June 9th, that is, 2010, when they released the following statement. "Kyron's family would like to thank the people for their support and interest in finding their son. The outpouring of support and continued effort strengthens their hope. We need for folks to continue to assist us in our goal. Please search your properties, cars... Um, outbuildings sheds etc also check with neighbors and friends who may be on vacation or may need an assistance in searching there are a lot of resources here to help you search so please don't stop it is obviously a difficult time and they want to speak to the public so you can hear it from Kyron's family as they come together to share their message their objective is to keep the focus on Kyron and not about anything else So, a few days after this statement, on June 12th, around 300 trained rescuers were on the ground searching wooded areas near the Skyline Elementary. Overall, the search for Chiron was conducted over 10 days, involving over 1,300 searches, all from Oregon, Washington, and California. This was the largest search in the history of Oregon. Wow. By far. Or, not by far, but a large-scale search. During... The investigation to Chiron's disappearance in June 2010. Informers, uh, investigators informed Kane, the father of Chiron, that his wife Terry had offered their landscaper, and just I need you to pay very close attention to this, offered their landscaper, a man by the name of Rodolfo Sanchez, a lot of money to kill her husband.
0: Okay. As yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. In a later dis- disposition. Deposition, sorry. Sanchez would testify that five months before Kyron's disappearance in January 2010, Terry had approached him asking for help to kill her husband. Mm. Sanchez was then asked to wear a wire in an attempt to obtain any evidence that might lead to an arrest, but this turned out to be unsuccessful. Now, unsurprisingly, Kane filed for a divorce on June 28, 2010, and filed and later obtained a restraining order against Terry. Okay. Around this time, on two separate occasions, when asked to take a polygraph test regarding Chiron's dis- disappearance... Refused. Terry failed oh. both times. Okay. Two separate occasions. Sometime around August, it was revealed that police and investigators were now looking for an individual supposedly seen by two witnesses sitting inside Terry's truck outside Skyline Ele- Elementary the day of Chiron's disappearance. In July 2010, several of Terry Horman's friends were subpoenaed by Multnomah County Grand Jury. The- <coughs> oh my goodness, excuse me. That was a violent okay? cough. I-, I went to speak, but I choked at the same time. Oh yeah, I hate it on
0: that.
1: <coughs> I'm so sorry. This included a woman...
0: <laughs> Do you need a moment?
1: I- no, I'm good. That was so weird. Um, this included a woman named Didi Spice Spiker. I believe it's Spiker or Spicher. I'm not too sure. Uh, I'll just call her Spiker who uh, Kane described as providing Terry with support and advice that is not in the best interest of our son. Investigators reported that Dee Dee was extremely cooperative sitting through about three hours worth of questioning and allowed them to search her car and property. On the day that Cain disappeared, Dee Dee left a residence in northwest Portland where she was working gardening the residence at around 11.30am and returned around 90 minutes later. As well, it was alleged that she had helped Terry purchase an untraceable cell phone in like one of those little flip kind of phone or like I guess prepaid mm-hmm. ones. In early August 2010, both Young and Kane were subpoenaed and testified during the grand jury uh, by the grand jury, as well as the school principal of Skyline Elementary. By 2000, by November 29, 2010, search efforts in Kyron's case had costed around an estimate of $1.4 million. Wow. Like I said, a large search, large, large search. Two years later, June 1st, 2012, Desiree Young filed a civil lawsuit against Terry on the grounds that she was responsible for the disappearance of Kyron. Not just because of a lack of, you know, being there to make sure your child was okay, but because the lawsuit was an attempt to prove that Terry had kidnapped Kyron the day that he disappeared. It's all, it just keeps yeah. snowballing into a, 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 a crazy... Um, well, anyway. The same lawsuit, um, Desiree was looking for about $10 million in damages from Terry. Now, in early October 2012, Dee, who's the friend of Terry, refused to answer all of the 142 questions posed to her during a desp- deposition regarding Desiree's lawsuit. 142 questions refused to answer... All of them, yeah, every true. single one of them. Among these questions, <clears throat> among these questions were ones regarding Dee Dee's whereabouts on June fourth when Chiron uh, disappeared, and her contact with Terry that day. She also declined to identify a photo of Chiron and whether she had met him before, uh, and whether she knew his father Kane. Mm. So, fucking weird, right? On July 30th, 2013, it was announced that uh, Desiree had dropped the lawsuit against Terry as police had more and more reason to suspect that Terry Horman had something to do with Karen's disappearance. Um, in May 2017, uh, a secret grand jury panel continued to hear evidence in Karen's disappearance and had convened on multiple occasions. They kind of just... It's still ongoing. It kind of just keeps... Going on and going on. Mm. I haven't seen too much left in what um, the, where the case is right now. Um, there were a few posts. There was a post in June 2018 that uh, Desiree posted in the Fine Kyron Horman Facebook page saying, stay tuned, something big is coming, I promise you. Um, and then nothing has really happened mm. since then. Um, <clears throat> kind of weird. Terry Horman appeared on uh, Dr. Phil in 2016. Um, She told Phil, uh, and I quote, I was advised from the beginning by law enforcement by my husband at the time, by attorneys in the beginning, not to say anything. I've always wanted to. I've asked multiple times to speak out and I've not been allowed. So she obviously denies being involved with the Kyren's disappearance in any way. Um, She actually believes that there is a case of kidnapping, she said there was a white. There was a man in a white pickup truck, a Ford, parked on Highway 30 at the Seven Eleven, which is not near the school. He was acting strange and um, was addressed by one of the employees because he had been pacing back and forth in front of the Seven Eleven for a while. Um, so, you know, we don't really know where this has gone. Mm. The reason I kind of wanted to cover this case is because, um, and I know these kind of cases are sort of, I don't want to say unsatisfactory, but like. There's no conclusion to it.
0: Yeah, like you want to... Uh, like a kind of unsolved, there's no answer to You want of to know the bow neatly. You want to
1: know for the closure, like what happened. Yeah. And we don't really know yet. It's sort of still ongoing. I believe the case is still, you know, being investigated. But, okay. you know, who knows with COVID and everything yeah, going on. Yeah, kind of put a on um, everything. Yeah. So there was a... Um, a book written about him. I think it was called a Boy Missing, The Search for Kyron Horman. And there was also a um, uh, a TV show, Real Life Nightmare, which is on Discovery ID. Um, season two, episode two, called Vanish From School is apparently inspired by the story. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's very interesting. Um, I kind of just wanted to bring it up because I feel a bit more drawn to cases where um it's still ongoing and mm. we can bring more attention to this case to try and you know point internet sleuths or anyone yeah. who wants to sort of help this case you know um it does it's it's a very weird case because there's so many factors to it that you look at and you go something doesn't seem right about mm. this the whole like um the friend not answering any of the questions the weird behavior with Terry and there's seemingly like sort of gaps where she's just sort of gone and then you know buying it yeah a, it's just it's just doesn't odd add up. it's just really really odd mm. um and fucking sad as well, because it involves a very young yeah child, I believe nine at the time if they were born two thousand one two thousand yeah so about nine years old, um very very sad. But yeah, that's the case of Kyron Horman. If you are interested in learning more, I believe there's a Facebook page where they're um, trying to piece information together. Obviously, if you're an internet sleuth, you probably there's probably Reddit threads um, all about this case. Uh, I'd love to see you know a conclusion to this. I'd love to see. At some sort of closure for the com- yeah. for the family, but um, yeah, at, at this point, there's really nothing. And I did have a little bit of a look. There's not a lot out there I could find. If you guys do have anything that I missed out or um, that I didn't uh, put into the to this case, or if you do have an update, please let us know, and I'll um, I'll fill it in on our Friday episode. I'll just give a little update on everything. Mm. Um, that goes for any of our cases too. If there's an update something crazy yeah, has happened we'll with any of our cases for sure or anything in. we left out like please mm. just let us know because um, we'd love to include it into our little Friday segments but yeah that is the case of Kyron Horman um, we're going to take a short little break and when we come back we'll dive into Laura's segment <laughs>
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. Hope you enjoy that little elevator music break. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I hit my microphone. Oh, I do apologize.
1: not what you want.
0: Sorry about that. We're really um having a great audio day, aren't we? I
1: feel like we're just sort of constantly like this. It's. I feel like we could have like the most professional show ever and we'd find ways to be like just to completely we fuck it up. We just can't
0: be bothered to edit it out, guys. We're really sorry. We want you to know this. <coughs> well, here's the thing. Light most wound, Unedited.
1: Most shows that have little things like that on a professional scale, we'll have an editor who goes yeah. through and like cuts stuff out. Um, yeah, we, we can't. We're not going to do that. No. Sorry.
0: Anyway, so it's my turn and I didn't even realize until uh, Tama pointed out that his case had been a suggested case. I'd actually been planning on doing this one anyway and I just went into the Google Doc to tick off the one that you had oh, yeah. done and realize that the one I'm doing this week is also one recommended by Kia.
1: Oh, well, there you go. So
0: Kia, you're getting a two-for-one special yeah. this week. What uh, a
1: lucky fan you are.
0: So I'll be covering... I'm going back to our roots and doing a good old-fashioned American serial ah, killer. Yes. Nice. I'm doing Jerome Jerry Brudos, nice. a.k.a. Okay. the Shoe Fetish Slayer. So Brudos was born on January 31st in Webster, South Dakota, uh, he was the youngest in the family with one older brother, Larry. His parents were Henry and Eileen Brudos. So growing up, his mother was violent and abusive and constantly berating him both physically and emotionally for having been born a boy because she'd wanted a girl. Gotcha. Um, despite her treatment of Brudos, she was openly kind of sunny and loving of her firstborn son, Larry. So as a child, the family moved around to various homes before finally setting in Salem, Oregon. So there's another...
1: There you go. Another Someone connection. With
0: your case. Yeah. From a very young age, um, approximately five, Brutus developed an obsession, which, as he aged, grew into a fetish with women's shoes. The first known incident was when he was five, while visiting a local junkyard, he uh, found a pair of like stiletto high heels, which he took home. And when his mother saw him with the shoes, she allegedly flew into a rage, ripped them from his hands, and burned them in front of him. So, allegedly, he also tried to steal a pair of shoes owned by one of his teachers at his first grade school, um, but that's kind of uh, not really confirmed. There's also another story that a friend that he had that had come over when he was very young, she'd like fallen asleep on their couch and right. tried to take her shoes as well.
1: I think they talked about that in Mindhunter, the, the school teacher. Yeah. Um, interesting.
0: So... It's around this time that he also develops a similar obsession slash fetishization with women's underwear, and he would often steal them from the neighboring clotheslines. He was obviously a very kind of mentally unwell young man with multiple stints in and out of therapy and psychiatric hospitals. As he entered his teenage years, his fantasies began to increase dramatically, as they often do with uh, these types of yep. people that we cover. And this then escalates into him stalking women, knocking them down, or choking them unconscious, and stealing their shoes. Aged seventeen in 1956, he escalates to the point where he abducts and uh, he abducts a woman and forces her to take no uh, naked photographs for him at knife point. Uh, It's clear that this event wasn't a spur-of-the-moment decision, having already uh, dug a hole in a hillside where he planned to keep girls as, quote, sex slaves. And after this event, he's taken to a psychiatric ward of a hospital where he's held for nine months. So it's during this time the root of his fantasies are traced to his Deep, deep hatred of his mother, mm-hmm. as well as just women in general. And he's also diagnosed with schizophrenia. Brutus also tells doctors his fantasy of putting kidnapped girls in freezers so he could arrange their frozen bodies into sexually explicit positions. But for some reason, the doctors are just like, cool, dude. That's totally normal. Yeah. Nothing wrong with you. And after nine months, he's released. Yeah, that's... So they claim that he just needs to, like, grow up and mature a little bit.
1: That is all psychopaths do
0: yes so jerry brudos is released back into the public after only nine months so he leaves high school and eventually gets a job as an electrical technician first however he joins the army in march of 1959 but was discharged by october possibly i couldn't really find any information on why he was discharged a lot of people have said like maybe someone caught on to the fact that he was a literal psychopath yeah Um, So, after a stint of living back home in 1961, he meets and marries his 17-year-old girlfriend, Darcy, and they go on to have two children together. So, from what I could could find, there's not a huge amount of information on their actual marriage, whether it was kind of like a happy marriage, whether he was abusive towards her. The one kind of fact about their marriage that you can see as a... uh, Commonality in kind of all articles was that he did make her do the housework and completely nude except for high heels and he would photograph her doing this. But I wasn't really able to tell if this was kind of like a, a consensual thing yeah. that he was like, hey, I think this like seeing you do that turns me on so she did it or if he like, like if he was abusive and made her do it. It really wasn't clear from a lot of the things I was reading. Um, But from here, from what I can see, the timeline of his crimes escalates fairly quickly. So shortly after he marries Darcy, he begins having blackouts and migraines, which he tries to help by stealing shoes and underwear from women's homes, which he then keeps in his garage. So the garage is a secure space for Brutus and his wife and family are forbidden from entering. He installs an intercom system, which his wife uses, and she has to announce herself before he unlocks the door and lets her in. After a few years of marriage, Darcy and Brudos' relationship become strained. Darcy begins to focus more on the children and then she starts to refuse to do, like, her husband's more unusual sexual requests. Uh, finally, in 1967, his fantasies become too much and he attacks another woman. After seeing a woman whose name I wasn't able to locate through various sources, Mm -hmm. um, he sees her walking through town with a pair of shoes that catches his eye. So he breaks into her home, renders her unconscious by strangulation, and then he rapes her and leaves her home, taking several pairs of her shoes with him. And it's at this point that his 18-month killing spree begins. So, on the 26th of January 1968, Linda Slawson, who's 19, is going door-to-door selling encyclopedias. Linda knocks on the door of the Brutus home and under the guise of potentially wanting to make a purchase, he invites her inside. And while his family's home upstairs, he incapacitates her and strangles her to death Jeez. while his family's upstairs in the house. He quickly takes her body into the garage where he leaves her. He removes her feet and pre- preserves these in his freezer, using them to model several of the shoes that he'd stolen from other women's home. Yeah. Using an old car engine, he ties her body to it and drops it in the Willamette River. And sadly, to this day, her body has never been found. Right. Okay. They did find her foot. Um, that he later disposed of when it began to decompose like, yeah. too much, but they never actually found her uh, that's body.
1: Unfortunate.
0: So just a few months later, Jan Whitney is stranded on the side of the road after her car breaks down on the way home from a Thanksgiving dinner. When driving down the same road, Bruto stops to pretend to offer her assistance. After Jan gets in his car, he strangles her and um, strangles her to death and defiles her body. Um, He then takes her back to his garage where he, there's really not a nice way to say he has sex with her corpse. Yeah. Uh, He also takes a resin mold of her breasts. So he cuts off her breasts, makes a resin mold of them and uses it as a paperweight.
1: (laughs) Okay.
0: Um. Yeah. So Jan's car is later found abandoned, but it isn't until July 27th, the following year, when her body is found. So on March 27th, 1969, Karen Sprinker is leaving a department store when she's approached by a woman. In actual fact, it is Brutos dressed in women's clothing and heels, and he abducts her at gunpoint, taking her to his garage, where he then forces her to try on clothes uh, and takes photos of her... Before eventually strangling and raping her, Karen's body is again tied to a used car engine and thrown in the Willamette River. So, just a month after this, Brutus attempts to kidnap another victim, but thankfully she manages to escape. However, just one day after that event, he strikes again, abducting Linda Saley from a parking lot in Lloyd Centre. Linda suffers the same fate as the other women being murdered and sexually assaulted in Bruto's garage, and her body is also disposed of in the Willamette River. So in May of 1969, two fishermen are fishing in the area of Willamette River when the bodies of Karen and then later uh, Linda are discovered. So the police begin to investigate and after interviewing students at Oregon State University, they begin to hear stories of a Vietnam vet who had called a few young women looking for a date. So he's been driving around picking up numbers and women. One of the women told police that he'd mentioned the bodies in the river and had made an unsettling suggestion about how he could strangle her. After further investigation, Gloria Smith, who was the woman that Brutus attempted to abduct, is able to identify him as the man that did that. Brutus' home, they're able to then get a warrant, which they search, including the garage, where they find evidence that proves kind of beyond a doubt that he's their man. Mm -hmm. There's a nylon rope, photographs of the murdered women, and the trophies that he kept from his previous crimes. Brutus is arrested, and after being brought in for questioning, he confesses pretty much straight away, to the murder of the four women. He's charged and ultimately pleads guilty three days before the scheduled beginning of the trial. And on June 28th, 1969, Jeff uh, Jerry Brudos pleads guilty to the murders of Sprinker, Whitney, and Salie. While he did confess to the murder of Slawson as her body was never found and there was no physical evidence, so there weren't any photographs of her That linked him to her disappearance. He Mm -hmm. was ultimately never convicted or tried for her murder. So finally, after 37 years in prison, which made him the longest held prisoner by the Oregon Department of Corrections, uh, Brudos died of liver cancer on March 28th, 2006.
1: Right. Well, That is a heavy, heavy case. Yeah.
0: It's kind of, weird because it's been a while since either of us have done like a 60s or 70s serial killer. I forgot. Obviously, all the cases we talk about are awful, but I forgot how fucked up it is being like, oh, he killed her and had sex with the body. Yeah.
1: So there is that sort of time period of like his, some of the more notorious murderers because of the things that they did. Yeah. And like now coming into this age, it's like you don't really get that anymore there aren't really cases like that there's people who murder and because of the law system that we have now it's either mm. quicker to find them or it's quicker to stop them or we have healthcare systems in the place that sort of cut them off before they can get to this level but yeah there's, there's this weird time period in, in in our history where we just had this like assortment of unique individuals who mm. who just did despicable things And it's a wee distinct time period where it's like, here's like 20 of them.
0: Yeah. What the fuck? Within like a 15-year time period. It's so
1: fucking crazy. It's
0: mental. Uh, But yeah, I'd forgotten how kind of like visceral all these crimes were. So if you are interested in reading more about Jerry Brudos, um, there are more kind of explicit details about (laughs) the crimes and what he did. But I just didn't really feel like. Saying yeah, of course.
1: Loud. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm sure there's you know books written about it, and it, I think he, there might be interviews. Maybe.
0: Yeah, well, he was interviewed <sighs> by um, John Douglas, Daddy Douglas. Yeah, yeah Daddy. I oh,
1: love Daddy we Douglas. Haven't, we
0: haven't talked about Daddy. No, Douglas I miss Daddy
1: Douglas because, yeah, that's the thing. We sort of ran through a lot of the cases that Daddy Douglas.
0: If you're new around here, by the way, because we haven't talked about him for a while, yeah. John Douglas is a very famous FBI profiler. He essentially
1: he basically built created the it. framework yeah. that the
0: FBI now uses to help identify serial killers, yeah. and we're both obsessed with him. We so we him. call him Daddy yeah. Douglas. Yeah,
1: Daddy Douglas. One day we'll be a guest on the show.
0: I hope he doesn't listen to this show because <laughs> that would be super weird.
1: Um, make sure you tag him in any make of our sure not Please don't. Um, that that would be great one day to sort of like to meet Daddy Douglas.
0: I feel like I would it would be really it. weird because we've been calling him a weird name it'd on be the like show that, for like two be like, that two thing. It'd be years like now. We
1: got to meet him. We're like, "Hello, Daddy." I mean, Daddy. Daddy? I mean, I mean Daddy. Daddy. I mean, Daddy. Um, I no, we we love him, and um, it, it was He's sort just of like
0: a fascinating man. When
1: we did the when we started doing the show, it was like um, you know, there was only a certain amount of cases that. He himself was involved in and mm. during this sort of pivotal time for criminal profiling and um, like serial killers. Um, so we kind of like burned through a lot of them and it was just it got to that point of like, well, we can't <laughs> feasibly do this. We need to, yeah, it's find actually other shit um, to do.
0: really interesting looking at the, I guess, progression of how this show yeah. has moved along because when we did first start it and we were very new to podcasting in general and, I guess, true crime as a genre, researching it rather than listening to it. Uh, We kind of, when we first started, like, everything was the, I hate to put it in this way, but I guess the classics, like the Jeffrey and the ones that everyone's... The more
1: notorious cases
0: of... Benet Ramsey and, you know, Son of Sam... Ed Kemper, yeah. all those, Ed Gein, all those big, yeah. big ones. And then as we went on, I mean, you kind of run out of the real big, yeah. Yeah. big ones. And like, there's actually no... some of the smaller ones are far more interesting to well, be Well Yeah, honest.
1: that's the thing. There's no shortage of things to talk about on this show. Like, mm. there's the, the, In fact, it's like overwhelming how much you could possibly bring to the show. Um, it's sort of a matter of like, I think we also divided from the sort of... not I don't want to like put it this way, but the, almost the fetishization of serial, kill, serial killers.
0: Yeah, that you always know? made me a bit uncomfy. It, it's
1: sort of... We wanted to branch away from that idea of like being obsessed with like serial killers. And yeah. more so like talking about cases that are like, you know, like this. Like where we can possibly... Bring more light to a case that's unsolved and needs more people to pay attention to it, or mm. you know, the our past few cases have all sort of been like that. Like, here's like specifically mine have like some mine have happened this fucking year, and it's mm. like here's they're unsolved. We like you should definitely look into this. Um, but yeah, I think and I think that's why we like we you and i love john Douglas is because we love what he did for criminal profiling and how fucking good at a job is he he is
0: yeah and he's a very clever man he's very yeah. well spoken in all the interviews that you see yeah and he's his done. book
1: mind hunter is fantastic i would couldn't recommend it more it's such a good read he even just um not even just um it's not even all about his dealings with serial killers he has a plethora of things he talks about in the book it's it's fascinating um but yeah i think it's kind of hard because like you said like you sort of get to a point where you're like if well if you want to make a show about like the specific era of people of serial killers yeah i actually think
0: jerry brudos might have been the last of the kind of famous american serial killers that we hadn't done aside from from ted bundy but i just think everyone's Everyone knows everything. I don't think there's any. There's like yeah. fucking six documentaries, movies,
1: biopics. Yeah, everyone knows everything about yeah.
0: Ted Bundy. I don't think, maybe in like two years' time, we'll yeah. go for Ted Bundy.
1: But that's what I think is uh, and. We should probably mention that the cases are over now. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're
0: new around here, we get to a point where the cases, yeah. we stop talking about the cases and we just shit talk for 20 minutes. So
1: Yeah. So if you don't like the shit talk, if you're just here for the cases, we'll see you guys on Friday. Um,
0: we did say that last week and then we didn't do a Friday episode. I'm really yeah. sorry about that. But it will actually happen this week, I promise.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we'll see you guys on Friday. If you are here for the shit talking, welcome. 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 I'm going to
0: move in my chair.
1: Great. Um, I wait till the formal part's part's done to move I
0: can't help my squeaky chair
1: but I think I'm finding myself gravitating more towards these sort of not like niche cases but like newer cases and um, just a bit different Mm. sort of cases that haven't really been talked about because I feel like they're um, important stories to tell yeah for sure
0: for sure. And, for the, sure and,
1: and, and there's st- just like in in this sort of era of like what we're living in right now, you sort of can see the tellings of people who could potentially become like psychopaths. And mm. if they're given the opportunity could become serial killers. Um, like take for example, Jesse Kempson um, in the murder of Grace Millane, like, If we weren't living in a time now with CCTV footage everywhere, with investigators who have had since the '70s and coming from one of the most pivotal companies in the FBI, um, they've literally been given like fifty years to like perfect this art of profiling. Like it's it's been around for a long fucking time.
0: Mm, I was just going to say, I also think social media probably plays a big part in, I guess, especially if, not so much for the older generation, but for our generation and a little bit older and younger. Yeah. Obviously, like you've tracked it all times. It's very yeah. hard to be invisible. It's very hard to prove, like if you were to commit a crime, it's very difficult to not be traced to it somehow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um that that was sort of his downfall as well was just everything was caught I and mean, he was the last person to see her alive. Yeah, exactly. And you can imagine like if this was a time in the seventies where like that wasn't really a thing. You know what I mean? Like
0: He probably just would have said, No, I didn't do it and then it's yeah. like And cool, then they have, have like they have no, no evidence to yeah. hold
1: him to it. Um then who knows how many people he could have gone on to do the same thing to Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah and it's interesting to when you have cases like this like it's I wonder how many people in countries like New Zealand and Australia and like you know Japan there are because you see cases like this that are so just unique Mm. you know what I mean like the case with um, Grace Mullane's murder was very unique um, and what led Jesse Camps to become the person he is was unique as well. But then you have countries that don't necessarily have the same, you know, laws surrounding guns or weapons or that, you know, in New Zealand and Australia. So then when you transfer cases that happen in Australia and New Zealand, like, I mean, take Grace Mullane case, um, any of the cases we've talked about in Australia, they're so different to, compared to what is predominantly now in America of what's replacing the serial killer epidemic yeah. is shootings now. The more yeah, it's like one-off yeah. crimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's it's crimes of, of passion that come, you know, there's sometimes they plan it out, but it's more so than not times where people will go, I have the thing to do what I need to do let's go do it and then they go they, that it's a spur of the moment sort of thing like even if it's like i'm planning to do this on this day and they go do it
0: do you ever think has the i guess especially with like your ed campers and your um brudoses and your ted bundy's and very sexual fantasy motivated crimes mm. do you ever wonder if the rise in readily accessible porn has anything to do with? Oh yeah, the stem Big in that. Time. Like I, th- I think
1: so. I think that and um, the stigma around porn mm. and the stigma around sexualization and mental health has yeah. sort of. I think it's definitely changed. Because you know, I mean,
0: it. I think it's a bit of a leap to say like, oh, I guess men just aren't having those. Murderous, sexual. I'm sure they are, but do you think like the fact that they can perhaps access things like porn to yeah. kind of stave off that?
1: Look, I, I'm I'm hazy on the case, but I'm I think Jesse kemson was watching porn after he after or before he did what he did to Grace Millane. Oh, okay. So I think. So I guess they Well, in a, no. in, a, in a sense, it's like it's not gonna it's not gonna like stop. One hundred percent of yeah. you know sexual related crimes, um, but it definitely would like show a reduction in it, or at least a, a way interesting to divert it.
0: To know those, yeah, because numbers.
1: Jesse Campson was well in his past relationships, and people who have gone on dates with him have said that he was a very violent, like sexual. Yeah, and then obviously kind of porn person.
0: has its own bad spin-off in that, yeah. like you get the insult. Culture, yes, yeah. of those types of things. I think men. you just so sort it's of like,
1: it's sort of almost like a it's
0: kind of like trading something, yeah, it for is. It's a trade, bad. yeah,
1: it's sort of like you, you can't get you gain, but you also lose. It's two steps forward, one step back, and yeah, you know. Um, so I guess in a way, it's like there's more access for people who do feel, you know, sort of these negative urges, mm. um, there is more. Uh, there are more ways for people to identify that and to avoid situations. There are more ways for um, women to seek protection. And there's more, I mean, you know...
0: To an extent. To
1: an extent, for sure. Um, But, I mean, compared to like 50 years ago. Yeah. Imagine.
0: I had a lovely conversation with a boomer gentleman I was telling you about yep. two days ago. Yeah. Where he threw the whole, like, you women don't know how much better you have it these days. I'm like, I think you would be yeah. shocked to find it really hasn't changed that much. Not like, a lot. yeah, sure, we can vote and do all that shit. But, like, yeah. violence against women by still their spouses thing. is still disgusting. Yeah. high. Violence against women in general, like, even if you're talking about the minutiae of rape culture in like catcalling like that happens all the time all the time
1: yeah and like, there's no there's no like stance that oh there's nothing really there to be like you know really predominantly saying to people like hey don't do that's wrong yeah and Like, there's just, nothing oh, around like just,
0: that just anytime like obviously We're all human. Everyone has an opinion on everything. You literally can't help it. That's how brains work. Yeah. But I just want to punch men in the face when they try and make commentary about like sexual assault in women because it's like you're never going to know. Like the other day I was walking through the city and I was stopped at a traffic light and I could hear there were like guys behind me in a car and I didn't actually know if they were – Because I couldn't – I had my um, headphones in so I could only half hear what they were saying. But they were yelling something and like they had their windows down and were like bashing the side of their car – like the outside of the car Mm -hmm. door. And I have – no, I didn't want to turn around. So I have no idea if they were just talking to each other loudly and they had their windows down because there were two of them in the car. They could have completely innocent just been laughing to each other or if they were yelling out the car window at me. Like no man will ever know – that moment of being like, please just, please just drive on. Please just leave me alone. Please just yeah. leave me
1: alone. And I think that's where we need to develop as people more empathy In not, mm. not in the sense of like, I know exactly what you're going through, but in the sense of that sounds horrible. What can we do to better the yeah. situation? Or what can I do to like, you know, help you through that?
0: It's really interesting. So someone um asked me today they were like, so is your partner like a feminist? <laughs> After like talking to me mm-hmm. and I was like, I guess so. Like I, th- I think, I don't know, I think all people who have empathy in a brain should classify themselves as feminist. Well, by definition, like,
1: feminist is someone who wants to seek equal, equal rights for men for, and women. For, or for everyone, yeah. for everyone really. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, by definition, realistically, if you consider yourself a good human being, an ethical human being, you should be a feminist by definition. Yeah, and I think the
0: the word itself has kind of been dragged through the mud and it's evolved and it's kind of been taken by, you know, some extreme. Yes, obviously every movement has its group of extremists and there are definitely extremist feminists who are just like we hate all men. Like I'm not going to say that's not a group of people that exist, but it's a very small group that really kind of... Has cast a very ugly, yeah, coloring well, over the word, and
1: that's the interesting thing: is um, you have extremists in like anything like that. But what what I find to be extremely damaging in, um, you know, feminism with uh, equal rights for um, people of color, ind- indigenous people, is when you find uh, predominantly just you know straight white people who are fighting for rights of, you know, anything. We'll, we'll say, for example, like Black Lives Matter. And you have a white straight person who's, you know, uh, someone made a stand-up joke. They're like, you know, Dominican or they're black. Mm. And they make a joke about, you know, being black or something about black. Yeah. Um, and that this white person takes a Twitter and says, that's not funny because you can't say that about black people. It's like, first of all, You've just said that to someone who is of the ethnicity
0: that they've made you about. Talking
1: about. Um, Second of all, you're staunching the voices of people in that community, who deserve to speak their voices over Mm. yours as a like straight white person, fighting for another like you know ethnicity or another um gender. Sit down. It is what what is like for sure. Like defend. People who need to be defended minorities, fuck yeah. yeah. Do it. Totally. I love that. That's what we strive for. But when you're stepping on BI like BIPOC people, you're stepping on the people that you are trying to defend, mm. snuffing their voices, yeah. you're doing more harm than good.
0: I think it's like you have to take cues from the community that you're trying to be outraged on behalf of. Yes. Like you can't be like for example you know trans rights has obviously with trans remembrance day being this week i think it was like you Mm -hmm. see a lot of social media outrage from people and obviously being trans is not like being a person of color it's not something that you can tell just by looking at someone yeah but My understanding of a lot of the social media outrage has kind of come from cis people and it's like, I get that you obviously want to step in and defend people from the trans community, but wait and take cues from the trans community to tell you that this needs to be something that you need to be outraged about.
1: Did you contact someone that you know who is trans to gather their... Thoughts yeah. on the matter. like
0: Otherwise, you're just making it about yourself yeah. again.
1: Like um, you take uh, the debate around like Australia Day, Invasion Day, for example, as well. And just the sheer amount of people who have like a general opinion but haven't mm. communicated with someone who is Indigenous or has Indigenous relatives or has come from a generation of Indigenous Australians. You can't like really you need to talk to these people. Yeah. It involves them. Otherwise, if you don't know someone and you don't have access to talking to someone, maybe just shut the fuck up and let them say their piece. Yeah,
0: and that's a perfect example because I feel like Invasion Day was a concept that was created by the Indigenous Australian community. And then once the Indigenous Australian community was like, hey, this is something that, we're not happy about then you as like a white ally step in and help to raise the situation but it it just is like very martyr-esque to me if you're like this is a hill that i'm gonna die on even though no one from that community has told me it's a hill i need to die on i'm just choosing to be the good social media activist i'm like shut the fuck up like just wait for someone from that community to tell you that they need your assistance. Exactly. Otherwise you're just making it about yourself. Yeah. And that's how I feel about um, like a lot of men being outraged on behalf of women and half the shit we're like, you know, we don't yeah. actually care about that. Like, like yeah, like tampon tax is is annoying, but yeah. then that becomes something that like,
1: it's like, you know what else is annoying? Workplace discrimination. Yeah,
0: yeah, but then that becomes a thing because then you have the other thing where companies take advantage and they're using it as a fucking marketing ploy oh, to yeah, sell shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, cool. So this is now no longer about the issue that yeah. we needed to actually talk about. And this it, is now it
1: almost like fucking stifles the, the entire point. You, I, you see it so, so, so much with the Australian music industry. So, so much. The issue is we have...
0: A, lack of diversity. A lack of
1: diversity in the Australian music industry. And we have so many talented female musicians and musicians of colour, mm. indigenous musicians, and fucking so many companies, not going to put any names out there, Triple J, um, love to be like, we're inclusive and we want to be blah, 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 and you know, yours and ours and everything. And... When it push comes to shove, it's like sure you like promoted this one thing from indige- indigenous artists, but what are you realistically doing to hmm. better these artists' life to make their careers happen? What exactly are you doing? Yeah, I know exactly what they're doing. They're giving them their five minutes in the in the limelight, and they go so fuck off, next person, and then
0: they go, can... off, yeah. so then they go you're the going to stay
1: in Australia forever. Yeah. You're never going to go international ever. You're mm-hmm. going to be Australian and you're going to fucking play the shows that we want you to play.
0: <laughs> it's got very aggressive. I think another excellent example of like uh, was the Gillette thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like trying a fucking ad about razors, trying to <sighs> yeah. bring awareness to the concept of toxic masculinity. And then suddenly that... we were no longer talking about toxic masculinity. We were just talking about Gillette. And I was like, cool. Well, we're no longer actually discussing. So you completely eclipsed the whole thing. You were trying to allegedly
1: bring awareness to
0: when everyone knew you were just trying to fucking sell racism. And
1: I'm on on like two minds of it because it's like on one hand, you kind of do want like big companies to be like, here's like our stance on X, Y, Z. Like- you know, this is what we as a company cherish. People yeah. in our – people, employees that are in our company, this is what we strive to But perfect. do that
0: by perhaps contacting an activist. Yeah. A, a male or activist. Or working with an activist, yeah. Who's working to, you know, um, dismantle toxic masculinity. Yeah. And have them do a social media takeover for a day. Yeah. or ha- Or just – bring awareness to those, that their platforms or um, charities or organizations that are working but to make an obviously, like, you know, the marketing people at Gillette are not idiots. Yeah. Like they obviously knew a social media shitstorm creates a lot of buzz around your product and as long as you've done it right to avoid, you know, the boycott but even boycotts don't work. Yeah. Um, you're gonna you're gonna make a shit ton of money and that's exactly what they did and they drew attention away from the actual topic that they were ironically allegedly trying to yeah shed light on so that's yeah
1: yeah and then you do have like other companies that come out saying like here's what we do to like this is our stance and this is what we do to, like, better situations for women or people of colour. And then, like, you have actual employees from the company coming out and being like, hey, just so you know, this company is a fucking piece of shit and treats us terribly.
0: I feel the same about, like, celebrities donating huge chunks of money to... um, Like, organisations. Organisations, because then it just becomes a news story about kylie jenner donated a yeah. hundred million dollars and i'm like cool, cool let's maybe talk about the organization that yeah. she donated the exactly magnitude. let's yeah. make an article about exactly that. yeah the, let's the, not make it about
1: that's the whole fucking thing or like let's you know if you're gonna make an article about someone being fucking generous and like someone like akon building um house i believe it was in where his family's from he built he's building housing for the hmm. people who are impoverished and, like, didn't tell the media about it, doesn't make a big fucking thing about it. And then when people did find out, it, they were like, oh, this is fucking, like, crazy. Like, how can we support this?
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, awareness is fantastic. Key, that's a fantastic sure. thing you can yeah. do. But if you have the funds to actually just be like, fuck awareness, I'm just going to fix a problem, yeah. that's so much better. So much better. Like...
1: Like, show up, rally, be be present, like, feed the homeless, build a shelter, do something... Not just like throw money at it, go, all right, it's dumb dumbs, fix it. Like be prevalent yeah. in the fucking I cause. think that's
0: way more helpful. Like if you have enough cash to just throw at a problem fuck, and be yeah. like, here's a billion dollars, fix the issue. Yes. That's so much like, more helpful cool. to people than being like, oh, here's a, here's a tweet about this organization. Yeah.
1: Like shut the fuck up.
0: Yeah. And that's why people lost their shit. I think it was... Oh, I can't remember. It was, it was, again, it was Kylie Jenner just because she's the most inflammatory celebrity that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, it was like a person that used to work for her as a makeup artist had been in a really terrible car accident or something and he had to get brain surgery because oh, yeah. the American hospital yeah. system is so fucked. She shared like the GoFundMe and people yeah. were like, Could you just You're like so rich. Just pay for it. Pay for it.
1: Because it was like. Twenty two hundred thousand dollars $200,000 or something like, like that. Which is like
0: nothing to her. Yeah. And then people were defending her being like, oh, he used to be her makeup artist. I'm like, but she's gone to the trouble to share it. Yeah. Just fix the problem, babe. Yeah. Like, like it's... Just fix the problem. Like yeah. you could have, it would have taken you you 200 grand. You probably, you have cars worth more than that. You, Maybe, yeah. It's not even a drop in the ocean. Maybe
1: you. don't have sashimi and buy a Bentley today. Maybe yeah. donate money to a cause to just help fix your the fucking person. And then
0: that's someone's life that you've yeah. drastically improved rather than making yourself look like a fucking gold yeah, star hero. for your social Fuck activism because yeah. you shared a yeah. just fucking GoFundMe. Just fix yeah, the I problem, babe. F- I
1: find that, yeah, just so fucking bizarre. The, and like like again I'm in two minds of it in, in certain things, like the there was uh a, a while ago the with the Black Lives Matter movement, there was mm. a, a lot of there was um uh I can't remember what exactly it was, but it was a bunch of like white Hollywood actors who like made that ad being like we're gonna try and do better. It was like Amanda Bynes and um oh, yeah. Aaron Paul and shit. And some oh, mind cool. some part of me is like, you know, you're doing something. But another part of me is like, but what are you doing? Yeah, exactly? what are you actually doing? What are you actually doing? You
0: filmed a video on your iPhone and then you probably forgot about it.
1: Yeah, it's like, I mean, like, dude, no one gives a fuck about your sentiments. Like, let black people and people of color yeah. and indigenous people, like, speak from their own fucking voices. it was voices. the
0: same as the black tile thing from the Black Lives oh, Matter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everyone was sharing those black tiles and then yeah. people were like, stop using the tag because yeah. you're sharing some fucking useless black square and then it's flooding the hashtag and then it's hiding all the actual information for the protests yeah. and the charities for people to donate to like, yeah, cool, well done. You clicked post on your Instagram, like fucking ace. Yeah, good like, for you,
1: dude. Good for you. You jumped on a trend that you saw someone do. I, I, I see it all the time. Here's something from someone who's gone through uh, like my entire life dealing with mental health issues and um, who's dealt with uh you know thoughts of suicide my basically my entire teen and adult life the whole trend of like um for men's health and like the taking the picture with the okay symbol or whatever and like yes, tagging like three pants tag people three that bullied you in high school tag three friends to like and to do this as well and then they tag three and then it's like you're not really doing anything and in like like you said i saw people who literally bullied me into wanting to kill myself. Yeah. Taking photos like this, like, sharing don't about kill Yeah, mental health is the thing. How about you just jump off the yeah. fucking trend and, you know, donate some money. Share someone's post that they made about their mental health experience. Mm. Maybe like help out like on a on a suicide hotline. Something that isn't just sharing a photo of you doing the okay symbol, yeah. tagging three of your dumb fucking hick friends and going, "Yeah, let's Fucking make a change in the world,
0: yeah. Social media is a very strange, it's trash. Place. Do you want to hear just to lighten the mood a little bit? Do you want to hear about a weird memory that popped up for me today? Do you, you ever that. have those moments where you'll be like halfway through a conversation and then you'll be like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember the time that blah blah blah, and you're like, Where the fuck did that yeah. memory come from? Damn, I was talking about being a loser in high school, yeah, and we were talking about uh, like. Uh, scandalous things that had happened in our high school. Yeah. And I was—I remembered that in I think it was like I don't think my friend B was at school yet so it would have been before year 11. It would have been like year 9 or 10. And I remember that someone wrote, I can't remember if it was called a hot or not list or if it was like a slut or oh, prude yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. It was something like that. So I wasn't on either list. I didn't even make the hot or not list. Oh, I just wasn't included at all. My name was left off the list in its entirety, and yeah. I just remember being like, "Oh, okay, I see how it is."
1: I was that kid in high school too. Yeah, I, like it's almost like worse being invisible and just unregu- yeah. unregarded. I'm so
0: unf- I'm so forgettable that yeah. I don't even make the not <laughs> list. I'm just not there. Exactly.
1: Yeah, you're not like one of the kids that everyone like bullies for fucking. Eating glue or some shit, like you're just yes. no one looks. It's at just you invisible. You're yeah. Like fuck, man.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: Yeah. That was that's that. I was the same in high school. It was, yeah. Like it's fucking rough. I
0: got my revenge because I got even worse in year eleven. And then I became the weird theater kid, and then they did really hate me. Yeah. But,
1: but we got the the best revenge in that we bloomed and got really we fucking got hot. hot later yeah. in <laughs> <our lives.
0: laughs> Woo! Oh dear! And now all the girls that bullied me in high school, i are- have jobs as real estate agents. Not that that's a terrible thing, but you know, and not that I have some dream job. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. Well, I mean, we do. I work in insurance. And
1: we're, we're working at like making that shit We're working
0: on our goals, keeping goals, getting closer every day. Yeah. Should we wrap it? I feel like we've been talking for a very long time. Let's
1: wrap it up. Um, This has been a very, one of those podcasts where we go having a, a fucking fantastic chat. Yeah. Um, almost to the point where it's like we should just start another fucking podcast and just... Sometimes yawn. I
0: think that and then yeah. I get... Sometimes I get scared because I feel like we have like this safe little community of nice people where I feel safe sharing my opinion and I get really scared that if we were to make a completely different podcast where we just share it, we'd get like cancelled or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'd say something wrong or something that I didn't understand the full meaning yeah. of or something. I don't know. I just...
1: Maybe we'll just like work something out. Like we can do like instead of a Friday show, we do a little case at the end of the big cases or something, or two cases one episode. And Fridays like a yarn episode or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure Who something knows?
0: out. Let you guys let us know. Yeah. Would what, you, you, would what do you What do you want? Hear? Another us. Ast- just like literally just shit talking. Would you want that as like a completely separate show? Would you want it as a separate episode? Well, yeah. Would you not want that at all? And you're like, please stop talking. You're Shut the fuck up. Just talk about true crime. Yeah. It's what you're here for. It's all you're good at. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like I guess we do this show for ourselves, but at the end of the day we do it for you guys, the listeners. Yeah. Um. So let us know what you think. Um. Not that I have any spare time whatsoever to do another episode, but hey.
1: Well, I think if we were to do it, it would be like, you know, Friday's episode would be that.
0: But I liked Friday's episode.
1: I don't know. I don't know. We'll We'll figure something out.
0: You guys let us know. Give us suggestions. Or maybe we'll
1: have to make some sort of way that the fans can help us out. Yeah,
0: we've been talking about doing a Patreon for ages now, but thought of like having a Patreon kind of stresses me because then we can't do what we did last week where it's like, oh, shit, we're a bit busy, we have to skip mm-hmm. a week, like, because people are paying for it. That kind yeah. of stresses me out a bit.
1: I think as long as you have realistic things to sort yeah. of put out there, it's like, I mean, you yeah. know.
0: Anyway, let us know what you would like. Yeah. Give us suggestions. The code word for this week, I, someone <laughs> commented on Instagram, they were like, there was no code word. No, oh, we forgot We last forgot week. last week. Yeah. Uh, So, the code word for today is bucket hat. hat. And you may have guessed that's because there's a bucket (laughs) hat sitting on the desk next to me.
1: Yep, It's
0: Adidas and it's white.
1: Bonus points if you have a bucket hat at home. Send us a photo of you wearing your bucket hat. Instead of a code
0: word, send us a photo of you wearing a bucket hat. Triple
1: points if you put it on your pet
0: (gasps) and send in photos of your pet wearing a bucket hat. We have a weird amount of bucket hats in this house. We have like five.
1: Yeah. Well, a little insight on how my our creativity works. Our band uses uh, bucket hats for some of our like videos and photos mm. and stuff.
0: Maybe we'll post a photo of ourselves tomorrow wearing bucket hats. Sure. Yeah, easy. We don't show our face on the socials no. very often. All right, Well, right. We'll catch you on Friday. Code word for this week bucket is hat. bucket hat. Bonus points if you send us a photo of you wearing a bucket hat triple points if you send us a photo of your animal wearing a bucket hat yeah
1: you win nothing except for our appreciation and love
0: yeah there's no winning no. just you're cool yeah. you join the, the the cool kids
1: um we are the b s bsc Pod-
0: Pod- the bsc podcast the BSC on all things podcast. social media all
1: things social media leave um, us
0: a review share the show
1: in our link tree we have a google doc which is where we got our suggestion for today's cases um so if you want to suggest anything just check out our google doc in our link tree uh, and suggest away
0: and if there's something in the list that has the like a strike through, that mm-hmm. means we've done, done it we've covered done. it yep so yeah. yeah thank you for joining us and we will catch you on free day may